This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Try to put on the show. Hello and welcome into Danny and Gallant on Thursday, July 15th, 2021. I am Paul Gallant. Michael Bumpus is in for Danny O'Neill. It sure has been a busy last 24 hours with regard to Richard Sherman's arrest early yesterday morning. We have a lot more information on it. We're going to give you as much information as we possibly can. Bump, it's just a really, really sad story for all parties involved. Richard Sherman, his wife, his family, and hopefully... Things will be better for all parties involved going forward, but looking at all the details, it's been difficult to sift through this as a sports show. We typically talk about games to see an athlete that this city, I think, had such an immense respect for because of how awesome he was as a player and how important he was to this community to have a fall like this. It's sad. Yeah, it, it's sad. And, and Paul, I think what gets people the most is that we just couldn't imagine Richard Sherman doing anything like this, right? You, when you think of Richard Sherman before yesterday, you think of an articulate guy, an intense competitor, a guy who kept his wits about him. You can be intense, but still be in control of the situation and everything is calculated. He knows what he's doing. But this just shows that people are human, man. They go through stuff. No one really has it all figured out. The one person you admire, you know, growing up, I always thought my, my parents were heroes, right? They knew everything. They could do no wrong. As you get older, you start to see, like, okay, they have their flaws, too. And I'm sure my kids would do the same with me. And that's how we got to look at athletes, too. They provide a service, entertainment, and you fall in love with their persona when it's on the field. But you never know what's going on at home. So I think that's kind of what is affecting people right now. Is they, they just think Sherman would do this. Earl Thomas, you kind of you kind of knew something was going on there. Other guys, you can kind of figure out like, oh man, that guy's a little something. Something's not right. But with Sherm, he just seems so composed, and even when he was intense. So that's what people are dealing with right now. Me personally, I just hope the dude's okay and he's gonna get some help. I mean, he did break some laws, obviously. Uh, did some things he wasn't supposed to do. Had a long night. But let's remember, this guy's a human being. And uh, he has to face the consequences of what he's done. But he does have a family. He does have a wife. Wife is still holding him down. So obviously there's a good person in there. You are responsible for your actions no matter what may cause them. But I do think it's something you said just a moment ago, Bump. It's important to put out there. It does not seem like things have been going so well for Richard Sherman, and you and I can't speak to the exact specifics as to why that is, but Ian Rappaport on the NFL Network implied that Richard Sherman's friends have been aware that he's been struggling for quite some time and that they've been trying to help him through it. One other thing I want to mention, there was a somewhat disturbing 911 call where Richard Sherman and his wife allude to some of the personal troubles that he is currently going through. My understanding is his close friends have been well aware of this and actually visited Sherman's house on a couple different occasions this offseason to try to intervene and and help Richard Sherman deal with what he's dealing with personally. Uh, Obviously, the 
the culmination of this was this incident that we are hearing about now. And then you listen to the 911 call. We're not going to play it. It's his wife talking. It's difficult to listen to the do's and don'ts of sports media. I don't think that we do this. I don't think we play this. But in the first 911 call that his wife, Ashley Moss, makes, she talks about how he threatened to kill himself, that he had sent text messages to people saying he's going to hang himself, that if police showed up, he's going to try to fight them, that he had had two bottles of hard liquor, vodka and Hennessy, and... A second 911 call happens a little bit later, and a man who is believed to be his uncle said that he was suicidal over the, po- over the course of that call. He was also driving dangerously, and it seems like they were going from their home to the home of his wife's parents, and he was driving all over the place, and he had made some threats that, honestly, are... Pretty alarming and and terrifying that if the kids aren't in the car, he was going to hurt her. That at least per the uncle. So he's clearly going through things there. You hear it in the 911 call bump. And you also see it in something that we found out a little bit later yesterday afternoon that the King County Sheriff's Office had obtained an extreme risk protection order against Sherman earlier this year to bar him from possessing firearms, according to court records. So... Something has been going on in his life. What it is, again, we do not know the specifics of it. I'm sure there are some people who actually do, but something broke, clearly, last night that got things to the point that they got to. You're right. Something something happened, right? And I was no Richard Sherman. I was no Richard Sherman. I, I played for Washington State, had a cup of coffee in the league, went to Canada, played up there. And when I got cut, when it was all said and done, I was a young man, like 24 years old, and I was drinking the most I ever drank in my life. I was going out. I'm trying to find this camaraderie that I'm missing. As a 12 years later, I can look back and see what I was doing, what I was going through. And I was, I was being reckless at, at some points because I, I don't have that locker room. I don't have my teammates. I'm outside of this bubble that I was in. We don't know if that's what's happening with Richard Sherman, but that might be part of the deal. You're trying to figure out who you are. And, and you compound it with all the other responsibilities that he has in his life, with his parents, his families, his businesses. I mean, this, this, dude, this dude is is in a lot of places at one time. He's, what, vice president of the NFLPA? I mean, he has a lot of responsibility. Not making excuses. That's just the reality. And I think people, we're going to talk about Richard Sherman and we're going to try to figure out what's going on in this life. And people, some people are going to hear it as excuses. We're not making excuses. This is just real life stuff. This stuff people deal with every day. You know, that's why in, in Vegas, you know, they, they cut you off at a certain limit. They feel like you're going to you're gonna risk your mortgage and your house and all that stuff. It's just stressful stuff that I feel like he's going through. And it probably caught up with him. And I kind of feel for him um, because I've been there before. Not to that extreme, but th- there might be some... You know, trying to figure out who I am again. And I just, I feel bad for the guy, man. I really do. Empathy is something that I think at times is difficult to feel for people that you don't know anything about. 
especially when, Bump, as you said a little bit earlier, maybe you are unfairly painting these guys as a superhero when they are just a human being that happens to play a game on a big stage in front of everybody once a week on Sundays. But when I look at this situation, I do see that while what happened was bad, at the very least there's going to be, I think, a DUI charge that will definitively be dropped against him just based off of all the information we know. Put it all together, two two bottles of hard liquor, the guy's driving, he crashes into a construction site, he abandons the car, he leaves. That's probably going to lead to some charges, and I would imagine, too, that there will be some charges about resisting arrest. What happened when he went to the parents of his wife is that there was an amicable at first conversation between he and police officers that had been called over. I guess one of the police officers actually used to, as a teenager, valet Richard Sherman's car. So there was a friendly conversation until they said that Sherman was going to get arrested. Sherman walked away. He picked up his pace as he walked away. And one of the cop cars that had been called in, and I do not know why, but One of the cop cars, I believe, that was first on the scene just happened to be a canine unit, at least based off of my impression of what took place. And because he started to move away and resist arrest and sort of was changing his mood very quickly, they brought in a canine unit and they bring him down. So I think there will be a charge of probably resisting arrest. Again, I'm not a legal expert, but that's just based off of what I read. At the very least, I could definitely think those two things are going to happen. But as you said earlier, Bump, his wife is standing by him. And his wife said after the facts in a conversation that she had with the Seattle Times while she did not share why things got to the point that they did. She said, quote, he didn't harm anybody. My kids were not harmed in the incident. He's a good person, and this is not in his character. We're doing all right, just trying to get him out. I want people to know no one was injured. So we'll be dissecting this all morning. There's lots of different information that has come out over the last 24 hours, and I know that a lot of people listening right now are interested. I do not want to frame things in a way that makes it sound like we are making excuses for him, but I also don't want it to sound like I am some sort of just completely callous person that can't empathize with somebody who might be going through a whole lot. As Bump laid out, when you get to the point where your career is almost over, I can only imagine what guys go through, where you don't know what the future is going to be for you. And if you throw maybe family issues on top of that, you can see how any person might reach the lowest of lows. So we'll be continuing to talk about Richard Sherman all morning. It's Danny and Gallant. Michael Bumpus is sitting in for Danny O'Neill. It's time to get to front page news. This, this is the front page. Today's top two stories and why they matter. Every morning at 710, get what you need to know to start your day right now. NBA Finals, Michael Bumpus. They are looking pretty, pretty fun at this point in time. The finals were tied at two games apiece after Milwaukee won, again, 109-103. Chris Middleton had 40 points. Giannis Antetokounmpo maybe had the best block or one of the best blocks in finals history. How the heck did he do that? I mean, he's in the lane bump. An alley-oop is thrown up to DeAndre Ayton. The Bucks are up two with about a minute 15 to go. And somehow, Giannis jumps up and completely rejects Aiton, who's been one of the best centers in the NBA this year. Man, that's that's film study and recognizing the body language of the person throwing the lob. Because he's caught no man's land, right? He's right in the middle. He's coming off like a screen or something like that. I think Book, did, or, or CP, I think CP threw the lob to Aiden. They've ran that play at least six to eight times during the finals, probably 15 to 20 times during the playoff run. 
and he felt it. He recognized it. Um, he went from, okay, I'm going to close out on the ball handler. I'm going to flip around and block Aiden. Just such a savvy athletic play by Giannis. I still think that LeBron's block was probably better than that. People are calling this the greatest block in NBA Finals we history. We love to do that, don't we? Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we're here for, right? Blow stuff up. But um, it was nonetheless a great play in Middleton, man. Like, I, I didn't I didn't really believe in Middleton until the, these playoffs. Like, I knew he was a good number two. He was a good Robin. But he looked so smooth last night. He made a play where he went up in the lane with the right hand, switched it to the left, laid it up all nice and smooth. I'm like, who is this guy? He's been inconsistent these playoffs, but he gets paid a lot of money. So you expect the occasional 40-burger, which he did drop yesterday. Meanwhile, for Phoenix... This is on brand with a lot of Chris Paul's career, unfortunately. The Suns turned the ball over 17 times. Milwaukee only did it five. Chris Paul, who was 5 of 13 with just 10 points, had five of them, including a critical one late that felt eerily similar to, and I forget when this was, but I know watching Chris Paul in the past, there was one really bad turnover that he had at the end of a game in the playoffs. Those teams, for whatever reason that he's on, experienced some very, very depressing ends. Series tied at two games apiece now. CP, my brother-in-law, Artem Tarasov, I hope you're listening right now. He is the biggest Chris Paul hater. He's like, he's just going to turn the ball over when it's clutch time, and that's exactly what he did. So I'm hoping that this isn't um, going to be a trend. I mean, he's known... I've seen lists. He's one of the top five point guards of all time. And as a point guard, you must take care of the ball. You handle the ball more than anybody else on the court. He's got to get back to his old ways. Is it because he's older and his body's breaking down? Mentally, he's breaking down? Who knows? But if CP3 cannot handle the rock and take care of it, this team stands no chance, even if D-Bug drops 40. The Front Page. The Seattle Mariners, the second half of the season, right around the corner. And the Miners, Julio Rodriguez had an opposite field Grand Slam, his first game back with the Arkansas Travelers. That was cool to see. Jared Kelnick has still not reported to Tacoma. And per Ryan Divish, he hasn't rejoined AAA for a reason, and he might be getting called up. The Rainiers have a doubleheader today. The Tacoma Rainiers do. We have Jerry DePoto on at 8.30. That is the first thing I'm going to ask him. Is Jared Kelnick going to be with the Seattle Mariners as soon as tomorrow? So we'll see if this time around, Bob, he'll be able to figure out Major League Pitching. Low expectations. I'm not expecting anything from the kid. Come in, blend in. You know what? He has to, he has to do what rookies are supposed to do. Uh, be seen, not heard. You know, keep your head down, go to work. I, now, his confidence is a big part of his game. You got to keep the swag, keep the confidence. But switch something up. Whatever that is, whatever his approach was the first time, let's eliminate something and bring something else in. That's why they... They bump you down so you can learn a little bit about yourself and about your game and then bring those new tools to the show with nothing but the best for the kid. If you got benched in your first game back, how much pressure are you feeling? Hella pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, this is my second chance, right? Yeah. It's time to go. I got to perform. But he should be confident, though. He's been performing. So just ride the wave, man. Michael Bumpison for Danny O'Neill. I'm Paul Gallant. Time for the morning drive with the professor, John Clayton. John Clayton's Morning Drive with Danny and Gallant. It's a four-way battle, and there's only going to be three spots. Somebody has to go. The first and final word on everything, everything. NFL, NFL from the professor, John Clayton. John Clayton. They scored 30 points a game. They're the best running team in football. It's John Clayton's Morning Drive with Danny, Danny and Gallant. And Gallant.
Professor, it's been a really difficult uh, 24 hours for Richard Sherman, for Richard Sherman's family. And as someone who has covered him, as someone who is definitely close with him, what's been going through your head over these last 24 hours? Just how disturbed every everything uh, you keep hearing over the last 24 hours. I mean, certainly it was around this time, a little bit before this time yesterday, that we first heard he was arrested and in jail and all that stuff. And now we hear talk of, uh, you know, him talking suicide, uh, him really not responding very well, his wife uh, in such a disturbed state that at 1139 uh, the night before, she ends up calling 911. 911 did a terrible job, apparently. Oh, that was an awful, so, awful, uh, awful terrible, dispatch. Ter- terrible dispatch. And it's like, uh, because, you know, here is, you know, he's, she's trying to quiet Richard down. And it seemed like the uh, dispatch ho- uh, officer just wanted to just uh, make her seem quiet. And here he was trying to protect her husband, you know, who had, you know, drinking, uh, you know, two bottles of whatever. And then on top of it, uh, you know, threatening suicide and all those different things. I mean, you know, again, how tied am I with Richard Sherman? I mean, when I won the Keith Jackson Award, I mean, I asked him to present me, and he was willing to do it. I mean, through the years, at all the press conferences, I mean, he was always the smartest guy in the room. When he uh, it would see him in the locker room all the time, I mean, he gave me so much information and gave everybody so much information because he was so smart. So to see this happen to him like this, very, very disturbing. But apparently, uh, over the last whatever period of time, he's developed a lot of personal problems, and now he's got to take care of them, and now he's also got to take care of himself legally. John, what type of resources does the NFL have to help guys with stuff like this? A lot. I mean, because, again, it's like, uh, uh, you know, whether it's going to be, you know, your former teams, the Players Association, you know, they've got plenty of resources of people that uh, can try to help. And, uh, you know, if there's economic issues or anything of that nature, which you would think not, but again, you can't think anything right now because you just don't know. I mean, here was a guy that when he was with the Seahawks was making $14 million a year. He made over $10 million when he was with the 49ers, but you just don't know. But I mean, they have plenty of options right now to be able to help any player like this that has these type of problems. I mean, because again, what you wonder, because some people are even starting to speculate, could he have the early stages of CTE or whatever it is? is uh but though there's plenty of options out there but like anything else it's up to the player and the family to be able to take advantage of those options we're obviously not lawyers or district attorneys or anything like that so who knows what charges he'll actually be faced with at face value john it looks like at the very least there's going to be probably a dui and resisting arrest charge that will be thrown his way at the bare minimum maybe there won't be anything more than that what kind of discipline do you think that the NFL would be potentially giving him considering that he's trying to get a job Mm -hmm. in the league. And that is something that over the last couple of months, I'm sure he has been prying and trying his best to get on a team and get on someone's radar. Yeah, you figure. And again, I'm not a lawyer or anything like that and can't figure out what a lawyer would be able to uh, project as far as that goes. But you figure that at the very least, he's going to get a DUI. Uh, he's going to get a hit and run for the ex- accident in the construction zone. I mean, he's certainly going to be uh, admonished for trying to break in to the in-laws' house, and certainly his little scuffle with police. I don't know if there's going to be any charge there, but uh, you know, normally if it's going to be a DUI, I mean, you would figure at the very least it's going to be two games, uh, and you know, uh, not. And, and you'd have to figure if you're going to be Richard Sherman, 
Uh, I don't know if you want to defend yourself like this because, again, this thing is so bad. I mean, you, you, you may initially say not guilty, but eventually plead guilty and try to get this done as quickly as possible. But I can't see it. I mean, it's not going to be a long suspension because, again, I don't, I don't see that happening. But the bigger thing right now is going to be getting his mental health right. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing right now because that, that more so than anything else is going to keep him away from teams because what you don't know is that you know, where is he uh, with alcohol and where is he mentally, and that all has to be determined. Because, again, you know, he'd been talking roughly with about three teams. I mean, Seattle he'd been talking about, but you know they had enough cornerbacks that they could probably not go that way. San Francisco, that uh, he actually went in for a visit and uh, late last month, and then uh, nothing happened there. And I think New Orleans has been interested. But right now, the biggest thing for him is to take care of his mental health and wh- where he is uh, with alcohol. Gentlemen, switch it up a bit. Ben Roethlisberger says he's focused on his diet and his weight. Is that going to fix everything? You still think he has some years left in the tank? I do. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I know it, I do a segment in Pittsburgh, and uh, we argue this all the time because one of the hosts, Andrew Filippani, is not one that really likes uh, Ben Ben Roethlisberger. He wants he wants to get have wanted to get rid of him for the past two years. Uh, the the report I think from one of the uh, people that are close to him is that, you know, he's, he's now thinner and better shaped than Tom Brady. It's like, no, come on. That's an exaggeration. <laughs> I mean, you see Tom Brady, even at the match. And it's like, uh, I mean, he's razor thin. I mean, his, his body weight right now probably has like 2% fat. I mean, and because again, he's been on that TB 12 diet for the longest period of time, because again, that's his company and he does a great job with it. Uh, so I, I would have to think he's in good shape because there's, there's different times you look at Ben, I mean, particularly like two years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, it looked like, uh, you know, he was ready to, uh, you know, go on a softball team or something like that because his stomach was hanging out and all that stuff. I would imagine he's in good shape. There's no doubt he's motivated because again, last year didn't turn out to be well. And there's so much criticism about him, but I still think there's plenty in the tank. Professor, what's your favorite kind of touchdown dance? The Dirty Bird, the Icky Shuffle? Because I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that you enjoy the conclusion of the Russell Wilson saga with the first oh. Dan Patrick interview and the second Dan Patrick interview yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to be the Icky Shuffle or all that stuff. I mean, I still like uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson and his dance. <laughs> it's like I, I might go more with that right now, getting the legs spread out and all that stuff. <laughs> it's like... So it's like, but the, no, it's like, finally, it's like, and again, people won't stop. I mean, even as late as last week, there was some idiot that came out and said, well, I still think there's problems with Russell Wilson. But now to go on Dan Patrick, one of the first stations, uh, one of the first shows that he went on to complain about his issues with the Seahawks and him to come out and says, my relationship with Pete Carroll is the best it's ever been. And I want to stay a Seahawk. It's like, what more do you need? Remember, I mean, after he did Dan Patrick and Colin Coward and a couple of shows like that, you know, he went into silence. And of course, during that time of the silence, I mean, you know, they gave him a lot of the stuff that he was thinking about. They gave him an offensive coordinator he likes. They got him better talent on offense. They're still trying to get better talent. And both he and Pete want two things. They want to get this team as good as it can be to go to the Super Bowl. So it's like, please, everybody, stop bringing up the Russell Wilson story. Yesterday should have officially put it to bed. 
All right. Well, John, that was me last week, so not cool. Just kidding on that. No, one. <laughs> <laughs> but I always appreciate you joining us. Hopefully this is peace in our time and not the kind of peace in our time that Neville Chamberlain once intimated. Professor, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning okay. and look forward to hearing you on Wyman and Bob. Okay, thanks. That is John Clayton, everybody. You hear him every single morning right here on Danny and Gallant at 7.15. Okay, guys, um, we're going to dive back into Richard Sherman and, and, and what's next for him. First off, not just from a perhaps what he's facing from a legal perspective, but also where is he going to end up? Is he going to be back in the NFL? Is the career that we all thought that he maybe would have in media after this, is it even still possible? All the possibilities are on the table. We will talk about them. Michael Bumpus in for Danny O'Neill. It's Danny Engel on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Danny and Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Michael Bumpus in for Danny O'Neill. I'm Paul Gallant. We're going to talk with Mariners General Manager Jerry Depoto in about an hour. There are rumors that Jared Kelnick might be back with the Mariners tomorrow, which would be some much-needed Happy news on a day like today as we are continuing to sift through Richard Sherman's very, very sad Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. For those who don't have a timeline of what happened, I'll go through it really quickly. What we know is there was a 911 call that was made by his wife with a terrible dispatcher, but I don't want to focus on that person. That person doesn't matter, where she was concerned that Richard Sherman was going to harm himself and that he had drank a couple of bottles and that he was about to leave. There's a second call afterwards with a male voice, which is his uncle, which talks where he talks about how Richard left in a car, even though they thought they had removed all the keys from um, him so he wouldn't be able to leave because he had drank two bottles of hard liquor, that his wife, Ashley, had started following him. And again, some intimation that he's suicidal at 126, Washington State Patrol received a 911 call about a possibly impaired driver after Sherman drove his SUV into a closed active construction zone. Thank goodness no one got hurt there. Um, a call was made by a worker in the zone. There were no injuries. 149, Redmond police responded to a 911 call of a burglary in progress and found Sherman outside a residence that belongs to Sherman's wife's parents. That house is about three miles from the exit. 608. Sherman was booked at the King County Correctional Facility after a confrontation with police officers. And at Thursday, on today, at 2.30, Richard Sherman will have his first court appearance. He has not been allowed bail at this point in time. So, Bump, when we look at the totality of everything, I think the big thing that we're looking at right now is just something that surprises all of us is that Richard Sherman is in a place where clearly his life is not going well for him and seems like that's been going on for a little bit of time. Yeah, things aren't right. And whenever alcohol gets involved when things ain't right, it just enhances the the bad things, right? Alcohol's not a great coping mechanism. It just it it digs you deeper into a hole. You think you're good, but then you keep drinking, you keep going. And I've been there. Like I said, I I've, I've been there before. Uh, who hasn't? It just, just makes things worse. Um um my concern right now at this point is is that his wife is doing okay. And that his kids are fine. Um, I don't know how old his kids are. I assume they're pretty young. 
So I don't think they're they're listening to us talk about his dad or watching ESPN. I mean, I've been uh. watching ESPN all night and day. I mean, it's every other segment they're bringing up Richard Sherman. So now now I'm thinking about the people that are around him, right? His family, his friends, how this affects them. How are they doing? How are they coping with this thing? Are they in communication with Sherman? At this point, it's like now I'm just being a human being, right? I had the shock shock portion of it like oh my god what happened what was he thinking and as you settle down and and you start getting details and you let this thing kind of uh come to light it's like all right how's he doing how's yeah. his mom doing how's his wife doing i mean how, yeah. how are they getting help are they okay so that's kind of where my shift is right now and then obviously waiting to see what happens at 2 30 he is responsible for his own actions and we mentioned it alcohol doesn't help you out but you don't make excuses because of alcohol you know if someone was drinking a lot and makes these decisions it was their choice to drink a lot whether they thought it was going to help them out or whether they were doing it for ulterior motives that doesn't matter what happened to happen and that is not the safety card safety blanket if you will to excuse behavior like that but yeah. to what you just said right there while he is likely going to face some sort of legal repercussions for this, how serious, I'm not sure. I, I would imagine, and this is my guess, that he would be charged with a DUI and maybe resisting arrest. The good thing for Richard Sherman is that he does have clearly a family that is still supporting him through this, at least publicly. You know that just because of the fact that he is who he is, that there are a great deal of people here who care about him and maybe there's an unfair amount of people who are hoping for something like this to happen or rooting for the fall from someone like Richard Sherman who maybe they're just not comfortable with but also I think too bump it sounds like he's got a pretty good support system from his friends as well and these are all the kind of things that you want to have when when someone in your life makes a mistake a serious one where but one where no one got harmed, at least based off of the information available to us, which I think is important to bring up here. It's important for that support group to be there to help that person get up, even if you have issues with what happened, even if you are upset. I mean, that's sort of part of being a human is that you're there for somebody when they fall. And I, I think that's the one good thing he's got. There's clearly some people in his corner, and hopefully those people can guide him towards the help that he clearly needs to get. And I, and I think they will, man. I mean, everything we knew about Richard Sherman before this was that he was a family man, um, loved his friends, was articulate. You know, he didn't seem like a reckless person. So at least that's what we got. That's what we know. We don't we don't know him day to day. We get what we get from him before games, after games, when he's speaking to the public. But that's just kind of what we got from him. And if that person is 60% true of who he is, guarantee he's got support. And, you know, man, I, I would imagine, you know, I've never been locked up, but I would imagine sitting in that cell, you got time to think about what <laughs> yeah. you've done and who you, who you've, you've, who have you've affected and how you're going to come out of this. And again, Rich is a smart dude, man. He's a smart guy. He's not sitting there ignoring it, pointing fingers and saying, you know what, well, this is so-and-so's fault. You just got to own up to it and get through it. And the great thing about this country is, man, there's been, there's been dudes 
who were <laughs> suspects in murder cases who met who find their way out and still have success and have families and on TV and stuff. I, Sherm will be okay. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He will be okay if he can make his way through this. I'm not. I'm not worried about. Oh, I am worried about Sherm. You know, I think he does need some help. But um, if I just go off of past experiences dealing with athletes and just regular people who go through stuff, he can find a way out of this and continue to live a great life. The dude's young. Was he like 32? 33. Mean, he's, he's only a year older than me. I mean, to, that, that blows my mind because I've always found him. And I think that's one of the reasons, Bump, that we look at this and we're like, wow, really? This is, this is Richard Sherman going through this. He has always struck me as a remarkably confident and in charge of his life kind of person. I have no idea whether or not he actually is. You really don't know anything about an athlete based off of their public demeanor, but he has always been so strong, opinionated, and all these things, and you kind of get this assumption, well, obviously he must be in complete control of his life, which is a mistake to make an assumption like that about anybody. But to your point, yeah, whether it's somebody who may or may not have gotten away with a murder or something along those lines we're talking uh, we, we have seen guys like ryan leaf get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity you know this for richard sherman is a first fall i don't want people out there to paint him with this broad brush as if he is some sort of monster or as, or as if this is some sort of confirmation that he was not who he actually was you can't be perfect now, what he did is wrong. You can't drive drunk, period. Like, end of story. Don't. There's so many people that I know have, who have, you know, one of my friends, Andrew, in, in, in high school, um, he was, like me, one of two Patriot fans that went to this high school in Florida. And I remember, you know, one day where I was at college and he had stayed in, in Florida where I woke up and he had died because he was in a car and we're not even sure who drove the car, but someone drove the car, they drove and they crashed and he was the only person who died in it. I mean, the Driving drunk is is just absolutely terrible, and I know people still do it anyway. I mean, I think we've all, perhaps, if we've had a drink or two, have found ourselves behind the wheel, and we probably shouldn't have been behind the wheel. So I'm not making excuses there. That's something he shouldn't have done, and I think that's the thing that's probably going to cost him the most here. But I, I also don't want people to act as if what he did is just this absolutely heinous thing that nobody in the world has done, and there were a lot of people out there who seemed so ready to dunk. Mike Florio. Calm the hell down, man. What was that all about? Oh, well, if you had an agent, you know, maybe you'd get out of jail sooner. I mean, first off, you're a lawyer. You should understand basic legal principles. Like, I don't know, that you can't actually see a person get bail until you actually see a judge. That, to me, that to me made me just as mad as the dispatcher. And again, not making excuses for Richard Sherman because right now, I mean, clearly he put himself in this situation and he is responsible for his actions. Yep. No excuses. You got to own it. Own what you did, but let's not beat him up. He's getting beat up already. Us talking about this. He's beating himself up already, I would bet, especially as you said. He's probably sitting there, and I mean, he's, he's got to wait until 2.30 before he actually sees a judge today. Yeah, and I, I would just encourage people just to look in the mirror, just like you said, Paul. <laughs> like, if you lived a perfect life, you go ahead and you text us, and you tell us how bad he is, but no one's ever done that. So just look in the mirror sometimes. Everyone makes mistakes. We're not making excuses for him, but his track record prior to this was pretty good. 
He he seemed like a good dude. Never got in trouble. I mean, where this dude comes from, out of Compton, went to Stanford, undrafted, unfree agent, makes a squad, one of the best corners in the league, like helps communities. There's so much stuff that happened before this to where um, we're not going to ignore what he did, but this doesn't define him, I think. Michael Bumpus in for Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Danny and Gallant, 710 ESPN Seattle. We will transition momentarily. We're going to be keeping you posted on everything that we found out about Richard Sherman's arrest yesterday as for the entirety of the show. But we did actually get, as we heard from the professor, John Clayton, just a little bit ago, I think some pretty good news, I think, regarding Russell Wilson and the future that he has here in Seattle. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. I'm still fly. Michael Bumpus in for Danny O'Neill. I'm Paul Gallant, 710 ESPN Seattle. Yesterday, we also got news from one Russell Wilson, who is back from his spontaneous vacation, which he spontaneously took spontaneously to Venice and, and Rome. Random. Very spontaneous. He's a spontaneous guy. Come on, listen. He, he, he every now and then, he's just going to pull one out of his pocket. Hey, babe, let's go, to, let's go to Rome. Let's go to Italy. And they did. They had a great time. You know, lots of pictures. Rub it in my face a little more, Russ, huh? <laughs> Working the summer. Come on. Gucci. <laughs> Gucci everywhere. Gucci, it, Gucci. Oh, yes. He, he was feeling pretty Gucci. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Anyway, uh, all, all jokes aside. You know, this offseason's been a long one when it involves Russell Wilson. We have been very curious about what his future in Seattle actually is. And because of some of the comments that he made earlier this offseason, there's a lot of people that are under the impression that this is one of the last years. This might be the last ride, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That entire saga started partly on the Dan Patrick show, when Dan Patrick, who I think is a master at interviewing, Put Russell Wilson in a corner and got him to be more authentic than we have seen him traditionally, getting him to admit, yeah, I don't like getting hit as much as I do. And not too long afterwards was when Russell Wilson put together a list of teams that he doesn't want to be traded to but wouldn't mind being traded to if he ended up being traded. (laughs) Jeez. And here is what he had to say on the Dan Patrick Show just yesterday about where things currently stand between he and the Seahawks. I would say it's stronger. I mean, I think me and Pete have gotten even closer. Okay. I mean, we've always been super close. So, you know, Pete and I, we've always uh, we've always had a great bond. But I think, you know, we got to have a great heart-to-heart. And just, you know, he, he's got goals. I, I have goals. You know, we want to do great things, you know. So to to actually, you know, really dive into those and really talk about, you know, you know those those missions, those goals, it was, it was fun. So, uh, you know, and so I think, I think you know, me and me and Coach Carroll's relationship is stronger than ever. And I do you buy that bump? That is stronger than ever? Yeah, I do buy it. I think he would say that regardless. I agree. I think if it was bad, he would still say that. But I honestly think it might be stronger because when you go through stuff with somebody, that, that bond becomes tight. It's like when you when you break a bone, right? I broke my collarbone when I was in eighth grade, and there's like a big bump right there. And yeah, the doctor's like, same. look, it's going to grow back stronger. You know, that's just what, what bones do. And I think that's... What happened there? Me and my wife, two and a half years ago, I want to say, we started seeing a marriage counselor, right? Our communication was all jacked up. We're going back and forth, arguing about stuff. Did it work? And we got to fix things. And it worked. 
Like, it, it, it really worked. We went through this hard time. We got some help. Now we're stronger than ever. That's kind of how relationships are. So I believe that is the truth. But I also believe he would say that regardless of how he truly felt about this situation. I wonder who that third party would be, though, for Russ and for Pete Carroll. Who's the one that would be sitting them down and making them see the differences that they is might Schneider? have? Right. I don't know, though, because Schneider, it feels like things were probably most acrimonious between John Schneider and Russell Wilson's agent, Mark Rogers. It did feel like things were pretty heated between the two of them. And while I don't know what was being said back and forth privately, I can only imagine just given the way that it felt like there were many passive aggressive shots being taken at the Seahawks front office by camp Russell Wilson. So maybe it was John Schneider. There's a, that, that, that could be a possibility. Any, anyway, on this interview that he did with Dan Patrick, Russ said that he believes that things were blown out of proportion a bit as well over the entirety of this offseason. I think that more than anything else, you know, like I said, we, we had all the in the year stuff that we had to do. And, and uh, I think more than anything else, it, you know, we just had a dialogue conversation and you know, I think it was definitely blown out of proportion in terms of the, the moment and what it became, um, you know, it was a little unfortunate, but I think more than anything else, you know, you know what I care about? I care about winning. You know, that's what I want to do. More than anything else, it was blown out of proportion. More than anything else, it's a little unfortunate. Okay, Ross, well, why, why did it get blown out of proportion? Can we be honest there, at the very least? I, I don't need an, even an, an apology. I, I, I wish, honestly, all he would say was, I wish I'd handled things a little bit better. He could have worded things a little bit differently and made this less dramatic this offseason. He knows he could have deep down inside. I know he knows that. I know. Actually, I don't. But I know he should know that. How about that? That's a little bit different because he is the one that led to these things blowing out of proportion. He knows what the media cycle is, right, Bump? I mean, you've been yeah. following this thing for a long period of time. It only takes a little quote to ignite an entire house and burn the whole thing down. Blown out of proportion. Love Russell. Good human being. Good football player. Spontaneous. Spontaneous. But come on, Russ, man. Blown out of proportion. You're the one who, start, who started this whole thing by saying, I don't like getting hit. I'm tired of getting hit, man. I'm tired of getting hit. Then your agent comes out. Hey, if he were to get traded, these are the teams he would go to. So I don't think it's blown out of proportion. If you don't want us to talk about it, then you don't have to say it in public. You can stay in your house with your boys and your your circle of trust. You guys can sit down and and talk all the stuff you want to about a situation or an organization. But he's a pro. As soon as you put it out there, it is going to be talked about. That's it, Especially if you are one of the top dogs in the league, which he wants to be one of the top dogs in the league. You got to deal with it. Once you put it out there, it's a conversation piece. I don't think it was blown out of proportion. I think that if one of those teams presented a deal that the Hawks could not refuse and Russell was good with it, it would have went down. Straight up. Michael Bumpus, straight up. In for Danny O'Neill. I'm Paul Gallant. Did I do that right? I don't know. Love it. Straight up sounds cool. <laughs> up next, Michael Bumpus is going to be joined by another football player, and I'm very curious as to what these guys can share about what a guy might be going through after his football career is over, might be over. We'll talk about that when it comes to Richard Sherman and all the thoughts that Brock Heard might have on him next in Blue 42.